Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got a, another interesting show lined up for you this week. Of course, the first program for 2016. We'll be talking a bit later on with Christina Sikiotis. We're talking about the value of networking. Also have a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. But right now we're going to cross over to AV Chartered Accountants, have our chat with Tony Vidray. Good afternoon, Tony. Happy New Year to you, Julian. Hope you're well. Happy New Year. <laughs> it's nearly hard over, isn't it? Oh, it just happened, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> or, or HNY, as you put in your email. I've, um, yeah, well, I bleached in January, was gone, so yeah, I don't quite know what's happened there. Okay, so we're going to have a bit of fun first of all and talk about that $1.5 billion Powerball jackpot in America. Yeah, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, probably or maybe a bit more than that now, I've lost track of time. Um, over in the US, um, there was quite a buzz that there was a, a Powerball um, prize for $1.5 billion. Um, and I thought we'd, we'd start the year with a bit of fun to say, well, have a look at how much did the, the eventual winners actually get? Now, one of the things I didn't realise, of course, uh, things, they do things a little bit differently over in the US. And, and one of them is that the $1.5 billion that they were advertising, um, if you were the sole winner, that's not what you, you get as a cash prize. That's an annuity over your lifetime. Mm. So if you then decided, no, 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 I actually want the money now, they would give you $930 million. Okay. So straight away about, oh, third. about, a, yeah, about a third of it is gone because people say, no, no, no I, I don't want an annuity. I'd, I'd prefer the cash um, <laughs> up front. Now, there, apparently there were three winners. So each of them received a meagre $310 million. But depending on the state that they lived um, would also dictate um, how much tax they paid because over in the US, when you win these um, one-off lump sums, unlike here, when you win off a lump sum here, you, you get to keep it. There's no taxation. Over in the US, they pay tax on it. So some of these, and they're not federal taxes, they're actually state taxes. So because the winners were from California, Florida and Tennessee... Um, they they had to pay something like about 12.3... Um, oh, sorry. Actually, let me go back a step. They had to pay federal income taxes of 39.6%. Mm. Okay? But be, and they were lucky that they lived in California, Florida or Tennessee because those states don't have oh. a further 12.3% state tax. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so they ended up losing about 40% in tax, which meant that each of them walked away with 182 million dollars. Oh, still nothing to be sniffed at, is it? No, no. My... And I thought, you look at that as a dollar figure and you think, that's a lot. But put it into perspective, it's like saying, um, hey, there's a prize on offer here for $100 and you end up winning $12. That's, yeah. the, that's the ratio. So, yeah, I think I think people can get it by with 187 mil. Maybe uh, Malcolm Turnbull should have a look at this. Instead of raising the GST, we start taxing our... Uh... Start taxing jackpot winners. Jackpot yes. winners. Yes, I... I wouldn't mind taxing some of those smug people who go on reality TV shows, like on, I think it was a, a lady on My Kitchen Rules who who, uh, who has become a bit infamous now by saying, oh, for us, 250000 is it much? So, yeah, I'd like to tax that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, what about now Australia Post has uh, increased their postage costs and changed their services? Yeah, I thought we'd just have a bit of a reminder of some of the things that have changed on the 1st of um, January, um, one of them um, taxation, which we'll talk about in a minute. But Australia Post have, I always find Australia Post a very interesting business model um, that they not only, they, they've increased 
the price of a regular postage stamp from 70 cents to a dollar. Now, they had to get special permission to do this, um, but it, it represents a 42% increase, which is um, mm. which I thought was quite um, significant. There are not a lot of businesses that can get away with increasing their prices um, by 42%. Um, but not only did they do that, they also then turned around and said, oh, we're not really guaranteeing same, day, you know, the following day delivery. It's now um, can take up to about a week um, for regular mail to get to places. But if you want a priority service where um, the mail can be delivered next up to business days faster than your regular mail, then you pay an extra 50 cents on wow. top of your regular stamp. So to get the sort of same services that we were getting in December, you've urged for 70 cents, you're now going to have to pay $1.50. Well, of course, they have to, the problems with the in- internet and emails and so forth. Uh, so people are going to use that service now rather than post, aren't they? And, and that's really the key to it. Um, a lot of businesses now are using um, emails and yeah. portals and things like that to um, to, to collaborate on, on information. So so their business model was, was knocked around a bit. But at the same time, it was increased by a lot of the, you know, your eBay-type scenarios mm. and online purchases. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, anyway. so, so, so you talked to uh, PAYG instalment taxes in uh, changing? Yeah, that's, that's another significant one. A few businesses are going to get a few shocks in the next few weeks where they actually start um, having to pay their, their income tax. So rather than um, paying it on a quarterly basis, so, you know, your quarterly bars, there's a little box in there apart from your GST and apart from um, yep. tax that's withheld from wages, you also pay your income tax on a, uh, on a quarterly um, basis as well. So what the ATO do, they look at last year's return and they say, right, you, know, you made a profit, you're going to pay some tax, we're going to start making you pay that tax on a quarterly basis um, and we're going to assume that you're going to do um, 2% better this year than you did last year. So that's the whole concept of pay as you go, you're paying it as you go. For businesses that turn over more than $20 million, the system is changing so that they're actually going to pay their income tax on a monthly basis. So the, the government are quite cunningly and cleverly getting an acceleration of their um, cash collections um, so that you're, you're going to be like a little mouse on a treadmill paying them on a, on a monthly basis. So there's going to be a lot of confusion, and there already is, there's going to be a lot of confusion around this, and it was announced, um, you know, I think it was, where are we now? It was the, I think it was the May 14 budget, so it was announced, and, and you know, not a lot of people pay attention to it. Well, it's going to start to bite um, is that, in the next month or two. Is that just the PAYG instalment or withholding as well? No, 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 just instalment, yeah. Okay. Look, yeah. So that's, look, so that's the tax that... Businesses pay on their profits. The, the tax that businesses pay on their profits. Yeah, chances are, if you're turning over more than twenty million dollars, you're already paying um, the PAYG withholding the, the money that you withhold out of wages. You might chances highly likely you'll be over the monthly. threshold and you'll be paying that monthly anyway. Okay. So in addition to that, they're going to say we'll pay us the um, the profit as well. Tax I thought I thought those large companies um, didn't pay the tax. <laughs> oh, it depends. Depends if they, you know, they set up offshore. So if they have their head office in Singapore or in Guernsey or in the in the Cayman Islands and things like that. So, so while we're talking about uh, PAYG or BAS statement, just a reminder that the BAS statement is due on the 29th of this month. It's the 29th of this month. Yeah. We, so the yeah the December quarter you get that little bit um, a little bit longer, which is which is good and, and bad in a way because um, it gives you a little bit of extra time to pay. But there's always that trap that. That um, you know, businesses do spend their GST money, um, you know, on something else. And, on Christmas. And, um, yeah, well, that's right. Especially, well, Christmas, Christmas shutdowns as well. There's a lot yeah. of people, businesses that close down, and they pay a lot of you know annual leave and 
Um, you know, people who go on holidays. So th there is a cash flow drain, so it needs to be planned, um, yeah, very, very carefully because the reminder from the ATO every year is it's not your money. You, you're holding it as an agent for the ATO and uh, you need to send it on, on the, this year on the 29th of, of February. Well, thank you, Tony. We'll have a chat with you uh, next month. No worries. We should talk about some payroll tax incentives next month and, and what the state government are, are doing to incentivise some businesses uh, for um, expanding their employment. Okay, sounds good. Have a good week. Talk then. Bye-bye. Tony Vidray there from AV Chartered Accountants. Had a little bit of fun there, and of course, uh, some of those things that we've got to remember at the beginning of the year. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis with our Minute on Innovation. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, we're back again, and uh, you've got an exciting year planned. Oh, I've got lots of things planned. We've got um, events and workshops and things coming up. We've got a Ripsler program starting on February the 26th, which is just, um, look, I love it so much. It's just wonderful. I've um, got a trip to Boston planned. I'm going back to the to the Innovation Conference. When, when's that? Um, and I'm, uh, in May. And May? I'm very privileged this time because um, I'll actually be blogging for them. So I'll be writing some articles um, and interviewing um, Pierre from Lego. He, he's booking yeah, the yeah. workshop. Um, so I'll be very happy to be interviewing him. Uh, and yeah, and going to a, another conference off the back of that in Las Vegas where, again, I'll be blogging and actually co-presenting a workshop with um, Heidi Pollard from UQ Power. So we're very excited about that. The uh, interview you're doing with Lego, uh, is it audio or just written? Uh, well, it's going to be written. I'm, I'm actually writing a book. Am I allowed to say that? Um, yeah. So it, it, the interview will be used for the book, but also for um, some blogs and some articles and that that, um, that I'll be writing for social media and everything as well. So super excited about that. Well, maybe you can uh, record it as well and we can play a bit over the air. Would love to do that for you, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I'll definitely will make sure that I do that. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to talk today about the value of networking. So all of those uh, conferences and workshops and so forth are wonderful opportunities for networking. They are, and, and the reason that it's come up for me so pertinently, um, and I thought we'd talk about it today, is I've just come back from um, the Gold Coast and Byron, so we're looking to, to put on an equivalent event to the Hunter Collective up there. We've been trying to, to discuss with people what our intentions are, um, how we might go about doing that and making some connections with people up there. And it's very difficult to get anybody to return an email, return a phone call. So we went, wow. you know what, let's just head up there. We headed up there. We had uh, we went to two networking breakfasts and had nine meetings within the space of, of about 50 hours and came back supercharged. That face-to-face -face communication, honestly, nothing can beat the connection that you mm. make. So much easier than you do over, and bless online, it's fantastic for people that live a long way away, but honestly, there is nothing like that face-to-face -face communication, picking up on the energy of, of somebody that you're discussing things with. You can read their body language, you know, almost immediately as to whether they're um, interested in what you're saying. You know, the, that face-to-face -face communication, Julian, nothing beats it. Yeah, of course, uh, I mean, we, we talk a lot about social networking these days, but you're right, we can't replace that face-to-face because -face of reading that body language and so forth. Yeah, and we are a human being. You know, We are mm. meant to have physical connection with people. We're, we're meant to have touch. We actually get quite ill without touch. They've done lots of work um, around newborns and how they respond to touch if they're ill. We respond to touch when we're ill. So we are a human being. We're not a technological being. Uh, we're not an artificial intelligence. We're actually quite real. And we, we desire 
face-to-face communication. The messages that you can get across, it, it comes back to that research, you know, 13 touch points. Um, and that's what it takes these days to become heard, to become seen, to become recognised, to become respected. Um, you can you can knock that over basically in a meeting. So people know whether you're being genuine or not and they know whether they're listening to you being, you know, true and authentic in your discussions with them as opposed to the miscommunications that can happen over email or social media. And I and I think also the the value of the networking. I mean, there is quite a lot of networking taking place in Newcastle. Uh, various chambers and and other organisations have breakfasts and and evening sessions. You might feel, oh, I've already heard that speaker, or I don't, I know everything about that. But it's the it's the mixing with the others there rather than just going to listen to a speaker. And, and the same at conferences, isn't it? Yeah, that's so true. And the, the other thing is, is well, you need to choose. I mean, you could be going to networking functions two, three, four times a week. You need to be selective about where you're going, whether you are going to bump into the same people all the time. Sometimes it's a great thing because sometimes those same people stimulate you and push you on and give you that inspiration that you need to, to move your business or your idea or, you know, whatever it is that you're working for forward. So sometimes meeting those same people is great. Sometimes you might want to hear um, a speaker from out of town. So like we do with Hunter Collective, for example, we'll bring speakers from out of town in to give those different perspectives because we have so many good speakers in town that, that we can go and listen to. But the other, the other reason to bring people from out of town is so they walk away from here going, wow, that was an experience for them as well. They met some great people. They know now what's going on in our region. So I find all that exciting. Um, and I guess for me that's one of the highlights of, of running Rippler is that interconnection and the networking and, and people working together um, on, a, on a project or a program that pulls all those ideas together. And, of course, the other thing about that is uh, to have a plan before you go. What do I want to achieve out of this? It's not just a breakfast where you can have an enjoyable, meet a couple of people and enjoy breakfast. It's there to 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 get a result and recently I'm, well, I'm going to a conference tomorrow and they've put me onto this Hoover which is W-H-O-V-A where you can get to see all the people that are coming to the conference even before you arrive so you can highlight I want to meet this person, I want to meet that person and yep. plan yourself before you even go. Yeah and there was something very similar happens with the Boston Innovation Conference um, some of the, the, well, the app that they send out before that allows you to have conversations, and I'm sure mm. it does as well, allows you to have conversations with people before you get there. So mm. perfect, perfect point. Purposeful networking, absolutely essential to business, um, but it's a pleasure as well. I mean, we heard so many different um, opinions and, and thoughts and different ideas about businesses from so many different people in a short space of time. Uh, listen to a wonderful lady by the name of Lissy Turner, who used to be a, um, a DJ on Triple J, who now does um, public speaking and about communication. Um, and she says things like, um, communication is how we weave together, how we find our tribe. And she says, what we have often spoken about before too, listen with your ears open and your mouth shut. You mm. know, So really listen, really communicate, have a look at what people's body language is doing. Um, have a look at, at what you want to learn from people. Listen yeah. to how you're talking. So, you know, how are you breathing? How are you presenting to people? Are you presenting, uh, are you speaking slowly enough so people can understand? And again, people have different levels of what they, they can take in from what you're saying. Great. Well, thanks for your time again, Christina. Have a great week and we'll have a chat with you again next week. You too, Julian. Look forward to it. Have Thank a great you. week too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Well, let's have a look at a management tip from the Harvard Business Review. This one here, help your employees learn from each other. Analysts estimate that Fortune 500 companies lose a combined $31.5 billion per year from employees failing to share knowledge. Here's how to keep people from recreating the wheel, repeating others' mistakes, or wasting time searching for specialised information. Create a design space for vicarious learning. Having a common space that individuals recognise as the gathering place for ideas and experiences lays the foundation for sharing knowledge. Secondly, licence and endorse vicarious learning. Leaders should be encouraging employees to seek and seek and share experiences often. This gives individuals license to seek out what they need to learn without fear that they're being intrusive or that it makes them look bad. And then plant starter seeds for vicarious learning. Set aside time at the beginning of meetings for people to discuss challenges and problem solve together. Or schedule a team breakfast or a happy hour where employees can chat freely. So it sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Let's talk more. And uh, when you look at that staggering figure in America, $31.5 billion lost because employees fail to share knowledge and waste time recreating. And I'm sure that happens in Australia too. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the first program for 2016. Um, in a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next minute, next week, we'll have a minute on innovation with Christina Sikiatis. We'll look at some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Dr. Wayne Dwyer once said, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change.